All right, social media family. Thank you once again for joining us for another installment of the Grace, the Power of the Gospel series. Now, we are on lesson nine tonight. Lesson nine. And the, the subtitle is, Whose Servant Are You? Whose Servant Are You? Now, we are going to start in gospel of now let's go back to Romans we'll go to Romans 6 so let's go to Romans chapter 6 Romans chapter 6 let's see how we want to start here Romans chapter 6 And let's start start at verse 9 and we'll go down to verse 17 and we'll read that in the King James Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, dieth, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of, right, of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey? Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, which was delivered, which was delivered you. Verse 18, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. So the subtitle of our lesson is whose servant are you? So looking at that title, it begs the question. It really is, is insinuating that we have a choice on whom we serve. Sin, righteousness. Now, I know we talked about 
in the previous lesson, why live holy? And we explored that. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that here, right? Because if it's true that God has forgiven us of our sin, past, present, and future, then some people ask the question like, well, hey, if I'm already forgiven, then why can't I do what I want to do? If Why can't I act a fool sometimes when I want to? Why can't? Right? Now, Paul deals with this question in verse 15. And at the end, he says, God forbid. So now let's, let's go back to this question. Whose servant are you? If you were a sinner saved by grace, how would you answer that question differently if you were just a sinner saved by grace versus how you understand who you are now as being the righteousness of God in Christ? I think when you really realize like what servant means and not like a slave, like a lot of us maybe grew up in like religion sometimes and you feel like I'm a slave to God or I got to do, I've got to do this good stuff, you know, even if we're really saved, I mean, you know, but it's kind of like religious like backgrounds and like doctrines and stuff. But if you really realize how good God is and you're a servant, like you want to serve God, you want to do good for him, your heart's been changed and you realize the consequences of bad actions that it can harm, it can harm you, it can harm others. It, it hurts God's heart, just like it hurts a parent's heart if their child does something harmful, you know, or whatever. Um, when you really see the heart of the matter, you get to where you don't want to be a servant of sin. You want to serve a good God that's been so good to you. Okay. My question. Can you, re can you say that question a different way? <coughs> okay. I, I hear what you're saying, the first part, and you, you believe you're a sinner saved by grace. Okay. So if you're just a sinner saved by grace, okay. right? If that's if that's your identity, mm -hmm. how do you present yourself as a servant to righteousness? Okay, I got you now. Because that basically you you're serving based on your behavior, how well you behave. I'm a servant of God. You know, if I you know, go to church regularly. You know, give when I'm supposed to give. You know, talk right, act right. Based on that mindset. Okay. What about, what about um, just how God sees us? He's accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior. Mm -hmm. So why is that important? You are who you really are. Right. There you go. There you go. There you go. Right. Because if my when I when I look into my spiritual mirror, if I look in look look there and I accept the identity that I'm just a sinner saved by grace, then I still identify as the sinner. Right? So when I fall, when I miss the mark. 
I'm just couldn't, I'm just living out who I truly am. Somebody that is striving to do right, but is destined to always fall and fail. Right? Now, we are still in this flesh and bone body. We are in a sin sick world. So we are all subject to Mr. Mark. We, you know, we'll never get to a place where we are, we are just completely without sin. However, if I, if I look in my spiritual mirror and I understand that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because my father told me so because of what Jesus did for me, then when I fall, I'm not in a place where that condemnation can keep me down because my identity is not rooted in what I do. It's who I know and whose I am. So the scripture says, what, a righteous man shall fall seven times. But what is he going to do? He's going to get up. He's going to get up. But if I'm just a sinner saved by grace and I fall, I miss the mark, there's going to be a danger there where I can just become emotionally exhausted of trying to do the work of the Lord, trying to do right. And how many people have you, do you know? And even you, you some of us know for ourselves. I'm, I'm ready to lay this religion down. I'm tired because I, I just I keep missing it. How many people do we know like that? Have been 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 on that hamster wheel of works, trying to earn something, trying to to prove something, but not truly understanding that. That internal change, that change that happened when we accepted Jesus as Lord, he, he became resident, his spirit became resident on the inside of us. We belong to him now. Yeah. But I think the key is in, in verse 14, where it says, for sin has no dominion over it. We understand that word sin. Where it's not talking about sin versus behavior. It's talking about sin versus sinful nature. The thing that you was born with. And that's the revelation I got, which freed me because it's like, okay. He said, I no longer have a sinful nature. Mm-hmm. Which he took away when I got born again. So I no longer have that nature. I have been given a new nature, the divine nature, the nature of Christ. And so when it says sin no longer has no dominion, I no longer have the sinful nature, the equipment, which says, okay, I can't help but sin. I no longer have that. <clears throat> and so when you understand it from that perspective, it's okay. And most in the scripture, it talks about where earlier, go back and it says, hey, likewise reckon means as ye also be dead to sin. It's mean, okay, this is the identity you have. I'm dead to it. And we know dead people can't sin, right? That's true. Mm. That's true. Yeah. So we're talking about the renewal of the mind, change the way you think. Okay, yeah. this is who I am. Okay. I'm the right to God in Christ Jesus. So that's who I am. Yeah. Even when I behave wrong. This okay. is who I am. That's this is who I am. am. 
And then if you, once you continue to renew your mind and who you are, yeah. the behavior is going to change. Yeah. I had a situation, I've mentioned it a few times in you know, Newport News, but part of my testimony is the long, to make a long story short, um, when it, it, Julius was mentioning about the hamster wheel of religion, <laughs> that's what uh, killed me almost. And thank God for his grace and for mother praying and standing there through everything. But when you get to a point where you're like, what is the purpose of all this? Being a Christian, doing all these things. And I know I was saved, went through all that. But anyways, I got to a point, I woke up one morning, three years ago, four years ago almost. And I go like, I don't want to do this anymore. But long story short, all the stuff I went through, I literally came to a point of, I remember it was a like New Year's Eve, it was after I had my birthday and stuff, I bought a specific piece of clothing I normally would not wore, I didn't care, and I got to a point with God, I was secure enough, I knew he wouldn't, like, drive me away or something, but I was just like, I don't care what you have to say, I don't care, I don't want, but it was religious, you know, and I literally, he couldn't have told me no, or God couldn't have told me no, nobody could have told me no, but I ended up that night resolving, I go, I don't really want to wear this. And it was my heart. It wasn't like nothing anybody on the outside could have told me. And literally, I went into my closet, and you know, my, my ladies are even, even more relatable, but I, I found a dress that I wouldn't wear like two or three months prior because it was not godly enough, if that makes sense. And that's exactly what I needed. And I knew in my heart, and I go, anyway, it was like a thing where I, I remember the scripture later when I was not scared of God anymore. The more God helped me and ministers to me, I realized I go, He would write His commandments on our hearts you know, and in our minds, and I go, that was it, and I go, oh my gosh, and I go, I don't want to be a party, I want to do something crazy, I just wanted to have fun and enjoy, and that's what I needed, you know, and I go, but the thing was, it wasn't anything, even God could tell me, it wasn't like a, you can't do this, it was, that's not who I am, and even if I was scared of God at that time, I knew that was not who I was, mm -hmm. it was just amazing to feel that way, and I still, I kept as a testimony, the dress in my closet, just as a reminder right. of that day, you know, it's a different motivation. Yeah, exactly. It's internal. Yep. Because this, this is the the, the grace life. <coughs> we can live from the inside out now, yeah. instead of from the outside in. Yeah. But that's what that's what the law, as the law does, it puts a boundary around you from the outside. It's external. You're looking on the outside of you to keep you keep yourself in line. But living the grace life. You're looking to the Holy Spirit to guide you and, and the love of God to compel you. And that, that that's that's where the works of righteousness, the works of faith come from instead of dead works. Because <clears throat> when looking at that word reckon, now we don't really talk like that no more. You know, I reckon. You know, unless you're from Texas somewhere. Yeah, thank you. Right. See. Like reckon yourself dead to sin. Right. It means if you look at it strong, it says to take an inventory that is to estimate. And look at the first part of the Thayer's definition to count, compute, calculate. So count yourselves. Counting yourselves is dead to sin. Okay. So that speaks to your identity. And you know, and, and again, it's just it's it's he's he's encouraging us to live that life from the inside out. 
not not looking for restraints on the outside because they they are only going to take you but so far. Because I you know I know y'all have heard the phrase that integrity is is what you do when nobody's looking. Yes, that's a good statement. Right. So, if you could sin and theoretically get away with it, would you still do it? Would you do it? Right? Because I was thinking about when she was talking, and I, I listened to something on Facebook, not really get into the subject, but I think that there are some cases where we're saying, okay, with certain scriptures, say, is this really a sin? You know, and there's different subjects we like, wait, they call it gray areas. Mm-hmm. Well, is this, did the Bible really say you can't do that? Yeah. Did the Bible really say you can't do that? And you'd be like, well, there's nothing in the scripture that really yeah. said I really can't do it. So yeah. what, going back to what you said, can I get away with it and still go to heaven? And it, God would be mad with me. And if you really can't find anything concrete, then you're like, okay, well, so it's really not. Yeah. But once you say once, your relationship with the Holy Spirit, it's not about, okay, always, <clears throat> is it a sin, is it? Yeah. It's about, you know what, God, is this what you want me to do? Is this, yeah. you know, because yeah. he may not want it, though it may be to somebody else, but it may be, hey, or it may be something going on in society that people have embraced, nothing in scripture concrete. Now you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, says, well, okay, is this good for me to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll you. And that's to me, that's another level of maturity, right? Yeah. Not just saying, yeah. okay, well, let me see if yes. this says, you know, this is wrong. <clears throat> and if it don't really say it's wrong, then I'm gonna go indulge in it. But exactly. as, as Paul talked about, and I always go, Paul said, if it's if it offend my brother eat, I wouldn't eat. He goes to that level of saying, hey, you know what? Whatever's gonna offend my brother or cause me to lose influence. Yeah, I don't want no parts of it. Even though I can do it. It gets down to the heart. Exactly. It really does. And it's, it's not about, oh, I can away with this. Like, it's right. like, it's, is this going to bless God? Is this going to bless us? Is this going to bless me? You know, I mean, really, God wants what's best for us, you know? So, it's, <laughs> he's got ourselves to do something to hurt us. <laughs> right. But what he said, some, some Christians had that faith. They just want to know, yeah. is it a sin or not? What can but, I do with but it? Because I really say I can't yeah. do it. Yeah. Versus, okay, now. It's still about what you can do instead of what Jesus said. He tried to show you what you can, you can do. do. Right. And that's a, that's a different mindset. Mm-hmm. We're always trying to figure out what we can do, do yeah, like so that. we can get away from something. Jesus was always saying, you can do this, you can do this, mm-hmm. you can do this. So he was, that's like Steve asked him, he's like, can I do this? And he'll tell you. Right. Now, isn't that, wouldn't that be the difference between the the carnal Christian versus the spiritual Christian, right? Because the you know Paul talks about three people, three men, three types of men in Corinthians: the natural man, the carnal man, and the spiritual man. Yeah. Right. Now the carnal person, they can be born again, but the majority of the thoughts, the actions, emotions is centered around what's going on with those five senses, right? But the, but the spiritual man is the one that is being fed by the word, being led by the Holy Spirit. 
right? So in that, and that's the, the process of renewing the mind is what's going to take us from the carnality stage to growing spiritually, to be the spiritual man that Paul talks about, right? Yeah. All right. Now we talking all, we talking all revelatory and high and mighty now, all right? But there's still some areas that that, that some of us are, are dabbling our carnality in. Mm-hmm. We're, now, how do we dig into this scripture? How do we do this and and get the encouragement we need to resist when our buttons are pushed? When we out here in the world, like we go out here on 264, somebody cut us off. And we trying to get home, get our chicken, right? It's a long day. We hungry. What are we going to do? Or we go to work tomorrow. We hear something crazy, right? Yeah. How we going to, how, you know, how can I look at this and, and receive the, the, the food that I need? Make it real. To keep me yes, from acting, to, for acting out, or having a what some of my curious people call a flesh flash. Mm-hmm. You act out in the flesh. You're saying, how can we look at the passage of scriptures that we're reading now? Mm-hmm. Well, I was looking at 13 and it's talking about your members as instruments. So, you know, I've been kind of reading through the book of Acts a little lately and especially in those initial chapters, I think one through six, it talks a lot about how the Lord worked with the disciples confirming his word with signs. So they were using their members or their, you know, and I have a little uh, example under there. It says members is arm. It says arm. So, so it's like, okay, it seems like God would invest him as he was investing in, those apostles in the book of Acts, if we yield our members, you know, if we encourage ourselves and yield our members like to not have that flesh flash or, you know, be calm, that he will invest in us likewise to confirm his word with signs following, um, and so that's kind of encouraging to me to think that, okay, just as he invested in them, because they willingly was obeying the Lord, that he would invest in me the same way. That's good. That's good. Because how, how encouraging is that, though, for real? Like. The, the, the Lord, the creator of the universe, wants to 
co-labor with you, want to use you to help save somebody, help get somebody delivered. That's a big deal. And I mean, if, you know, I know there are a lot of great companies and a lot of good bosses out there, but they can't, they can't compete with the father of, of all things, the creative universe. You working for him, can't nobody touch his benefit package. Right? Because you look at that word instrument, right? In the Strong's, it says an, an, an implement or utensil or tool. Mm -hmm. So basically, Paul is just encouraging us to, hey, present your physical body as an instrument to be used to promote righteousness. But it is a choice. He says, yield, yield. Now, when we look at that word yield or present, now, when you think about yield, and you're driving down the road, what does that mean? You want to maybe slow down, but you may have to stop. Assess the situation. Okay. All right. It, it even says to me, you, you volunteer, let somebody else go first. Mm. You don't have to, but you decide to. To let somebody go first, to slow down or stop. I like what he said, assess the situation. Mm -hmm. You said the right reasons. Yeah. There you is go. this good for me <laughs> to do this? No. There you go. Let's see, y'all digging now. Is it good for me to, to keep going or do I yield let this person go? Mm -hmm. He says, yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So yielding, so there's something, so there's a situation where I can go left or go right. Me yielding to what? The guiding of Holy Spirit, right? Because my flesh may be wanting to go right. My flesh is telling me I need to do X, Y, Z. Because something that was said or something happened and I want to do X, Y, Z. That's the flesh is saying. Paul is encouraging us. Yield yourselves unto God. Now, I, I don't know how theologically correct it is, but every time I, I, I read this, I think about them old school cartoons where you got the angel on one shoulder and the little devil on the other. Right. So in our context, the little devil represents the flesh. Right. And the angel represents Holy Spirit. Right. So us being the righteousness of God, new creations. It's, it's in our nature to listen to the little angel. But the devil has trained us for how many years? You know, some of us 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 40 years before we got saved. 
right? So their flesh has been well trained in carnality. So it knows how to respond, how it wants to respond to certain things. So the voice, you still going to hear it. But the, the encouragement that we have now is my inclination is to listen to the little angel and to follow the Holy Spirit. And the thing about it is the more I listen to the little angel, the easier it is it's going to be for me to hear and to follow. Right? But if I continue to listen to the little devil... What am I reinforcing? Those old habits, those old attitudes. I'm just reinforcing that stuff. Even though the new man is on the inside of me, I'm still yielding to the old voice. So this is what I hear Paul encouraging us to do. And I'm, I'm looking at verse 14. And in the New Living Translation, it says, Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. That's encouraging to me. I heard one preacher say, the way you don't, you you do the don'ts as you do the do's. You focus on what you what you what you are doing. And you don't have to worry about not doing the don'ts. Because like Mary was talking about earlier, because when you're law-based, you're focused on what not to do. You're expending energy on restraining things, setting boundaries, and not living the life that you are you have been given to live, to bear the, the, the type of fruit that you have been empowered to bear because the motivation is different. Now I haven't even touched my outline yet, but there's a statement on this outline that is a little inflammatory. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just go through it and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna then I'll get to it. Okay. So, point one is sin once reigned unto death, but now grace reigns unto eternal life. Romans 5, 21. You know, sin had have reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5, 21. When you begin to understand the grace of God, it allows eternal life to function in the same way that the Old Testament law made lust revive and come and come through you. Point two. Paul went into the second reason for living holy. Romans 6, 15 and 16. All right. Where he says, what then? Shall we sin? Because we are not under law, but under grace. God forbid. Know ye not that ye to whom you yield yourself servants to obey his servants. Ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Next point, if you live an unholy life, you're giving Satan access to you. Jesus came to give us abundant life, but the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
All right. And that comes from John 10, 10. Since Satan is the author of sin, when we yield to it, we are yielding to him. Next point. Technically, you can go live in sin. Next point. God won't reject you, but it might harden your heart so much that you reject him. So living in sin, that's not what's going to get you unsaved, so to speak. But there's a danger that comes with sin, right? Because the scripture says in Romans, same chapter, the wages of sin is death, right? So we're not saying, hey, just go enjoy your flesh all you want to. That's not what Paul is communicating here. Yeah. Now, if you hear anyone teaching that, then you know that they're off base. It's heretical, right? But to say that you go steal a pack of gum from 7-Eleven and you're going to go to hell. Or, you know, you cuss, you cuss your spouse out or you rob from your brother or something, you're going to go to hell. It's not accurate. Interesting you say that because I remember having a conversation with somebody years ago and I can't say what you say where they said that hey of course there are people out there that said okay the moment you sin or I say it this way that if, if you die with any sin behavior that you didn't ask for forgiveness for mm -hmm. then yeah, you know you're going to hell and so So I, I, my statement was, I said, okay, well, what if, I gave him a scenario, what if you get mad with somebody, say something hurtful, mm -hmm. and on your way back home, you get in the car accident, you die. Mm -hmm. And I said, what's going to happen to you? And they said, and their response was, well, you know what? I repent immediately. Well, Meaning that their thing was, well, right as soon as I do it, I repent afterward. And I didn't respond. Like, my head says, yeah. you are lying. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But right. my mouth wouldn't like, okay. go because I know it was going to be right. a debate, so I didn't want to. Yeah. And I was within a teaching setting when I said it, so I didn't want to. But so their mindset is like, okay, they gave, they basically giving themselves yeah. credit saying, Oh, when I make a mistake, I do it right then. Yeah. Nobody in this room do that all the time. Yeah. Right. We may be better at it than what we were. Yeah. And are you really repenting for the right reasons? Okay, I'm gonna go to hell. So God, I'm sorry, but you really don't about that. know. Like we said, like Andrew was talking about it, like kids. When kids are little, they know if they lie, they're gonna get their rear end spanked or whatever kind of disciplinary action the parent takes and they're gonna go on timeout, whatever. But then like as you get to grow up, you realize what it's really about 
don't lie, you know, because, you know, it's going to hurt somebody. You're going to deceive somebody. You're going to have relationships. And, you know, the more we realize it, but yeah, like it's kind of time what you're saying. It's mm-hmm. like, are you doing it for the right reasons? If you really are repenting, so your heart's really not straight anyway, you know? Yeah, right. Some people are taught that. They are, yeah. Oh. And they're taught that, hey, mm-hmm. you know what? You cannot miss the mark. You can't die and have missed the mark anywhere. Yes. Otherwise, yeah. You're hell bound. Andrew, God used Andrew to set us free. Mom and right. I both, I know I was bound up in it. And I remember him talking about like going like 46 out of 45. And he yes, goes, like, that you was know, really taught. Yeah. He goes, you go, right now I'm 56 out of 55 and you have a wreck. You didn't have time. Yes, like, you <laughs> know, oh my gosh, he would just be big sins, quote unquote. And he go, you commit an adultery. Oh, you're going to hell, even though you're saved. Well, what about the little sins? Little, quote unquote. Right. Yeah. You broke the law of the land. Like, well, I'm saying, we go, yeah, it's like, it just made me it's like, it, it was so Great. stupid the way we thought. It's sad. Right. You know, I feel sad for folks who still are. Maybe listen to this, judging us for saying this, but it's like, that's such a bondage. And but as he said, um, yeah. that's so stressful. It and is. that puts you in condemnation. Yes. You're constantly wondering. It will kill you. you no, know, you're constantly uh, wondering. I and I, I, I mean, for, for a small season, I was in there. You're constantly wondering, am, yes. am I going to heaven to hell? Did I get this right? Is that did I get this right today? Did I get everything right? Because you know what? You know, you don't know when you're going, what's going to happen. You don't know when you're going to die. So, and it's just constant yeah. um, stress and struggle because yeah. you're trying to. Right. Walk that straight line and hope you don't miss. You know, you got your fingers crossed. You know, we said That's stuff like coming up. You know, uh, you know. I hope I make it in, or I'm just trying to make it in, which was work mindset. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to make I'm heaven my home. Well, right when the, when the scripture says heaven is already your home the moment you get born again, but you're taught well through your works. You just try to make heaven your home, and you ain't gonna know until you get there. Yeah, so. Nothing's ever based on any of this. And right. just so, living. so what was what what did Jesus do when he died on the cross? He died for our what? Sin. Sin. Yeah. Finished. It's finished. It's finished. It's finished. Past, present, and future. That's right. It is really. Right? It's really sad. This is a really big sidebar. I'm not going to get on this, but I mentioned I have a friend of mine. She loves the Lord. I love the Lord. We keep our issues we don't agree on separate but she has told me where her church she goes to teaches that if you don't get filled with the holy spirit you won't go to heaven and i'm like okay we don't ever get in arguments about it i did state how i felt but i go now i love how andrew walmack says it you don't need the holy spirit to go to heaven he goes you may go to heaven quicker if you don't have him <laughs> you know but i go that's a bondage yeah, just like what if you're falling from a building dying yeah and you can't you know receive that you know and feeling but yeah it's, it's sad some of the stuff we come from right well let's you know let's let's clean that up though because once you get spawned again don't you have the holy spirit Right. There you go. So you know what they're saying. They're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit. Sorry, yeah. The baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Right. Oh, yeah. But this is what this is what people you know, some folks teach. Right. And and it's right. and it's still pointing to some outward manifestation yeah. Yeah. as a indicator of your salvation. Right? right. And really, you know, you can even in growing up in that type of an atmosphere, church atmosphere, you can get very prideful about you know your tongues but you had a nastiest attitude in the neighborhood just mean as a rattlesnake but you talking tongues though what paul say about that 
Yeah, yeah, you just right. You just rattle it. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And absolutely, I didn't even think to clarify this. Yeah, the, the baptism. Yeah, it tended to be the thing. But it was like, yeah, we well, maybe that would be my thing. It's like, well, yep, I have the Holy Spirit. I've had him since I accepted Jesus. I just got the tongues a couple years later. You know? There you go. You know? There you go. Because <laughs> I'm looking at that statement. Technically, you can go live in sin. I said, whoa. Now, if I would have saw that about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like man, you better burn this book. This is this is radical. What y'all talking about? Yeah, you would have a problem. Yeah, right. But the reality is, your salvation has been secured by what Christ has done. You you are forgiven, and that's a done deal. Now, the way grace teaches us is, if you got that revelation of how much you've been delivered from. Would you want to go sin? Would would you want to cross the one that saved you? And that's how you grow in grace. The appreciation for that love that was shared with you. The the blood that was shared for you. The the life that was given to you. As that's a present day reality in your day to day life. The grace of God is teaching us to say, man, you know what? He's been too good. Even when I got an attitude, when I want to cuss somebody out. I've you, 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 and y'all know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know, you you hit it, you hit it the, the right song, and you look at the uh, the right scripture and it'll bring you back. Like, oh, you know what? Lord, you got me. You know, I'm feeling some kind of way, but I I'm 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 gonna let you lead me. I'm not gonna yield to the flesh, even though it's it's scratching at me. Good night story. I think I went to seven years ago, and I man, I hadn't did this in years. I remember one of my coworkers. Man, he said something. He got me so mad, and I literally was like, "What are you saying?" And my, I didn't even know it. My fist had balled up, and I was walking to him. And I caught myself. I was like, what are you doing? They're like, this ain't you. And it scared me because I was like, okay. What? (laughs) This ain't me. So what I'm saying, what he's talking about, it's just a moment. No spirit says, okay, what in the world? This is not you. You realize how good God is to you, like, where I work and stuff. I, I'll mention this before, but I, like, literally, my customers, most of them are so nice. I would say 97 percent of them once in a while you get somebody when you're working retail but however mm-hmm. i i literally the other day i had a lady she was i was telling her how much she saved on her receipt and i was just looking well there's no personal information on there anywhere i work at a grocery store i was like you saved this much you grab your seat i don't want you looking at my receipt and she got really nasty and i'm like <laughs> but then you know i pull off and, you know it's really busy i keep bringing people like, yeah, well, exactly. and like god you know you know god in there it's being thankful looking at the positive like we're saying right. the Jews, mm-hmm. it's like 
God, you told me to come to this job, and I know you did. This is wonderful. I'm just hoping that they're good. Thank you, Jesus, for the good customers. Whatever. I hope that lady gets whatever at it. Maybe there's a reason. Maybe she's angry today. I don't know. You know, those moments where it's like, what are you yeah, doing? Yeah, okay, it was a moment. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, like, what are you doing? Spirit, yeah. Called me and said, okay, this is, wait a minute, this is not you. Look at what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. And so you have to, like, wait a minute, hold on. This is. I look at this angry. I ain't never been this angry in years. So yeah, you know, you kind of like, okay, hold on, wait a minute, this, this, this is not right. So you, yes. you back off from it, but exactly. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that's then that's a real life example right there. Yeah, okay. you know, and because you on your job or in your in your house, your kids, your spouse say something crazy. Mm-hmm. That stuff, you know, it'll poke at you. Yeah. And if you don't, you know, if you don't have that sensitivity to the voice of the Holy Spirit, you know, you're, you're going to have quite a few flesh flashes when your buttons are pushed. And the thing about, I want us to go to, well, let, let's go to um, Hebrews 5, and then we're going to go to Hebrews 3. Hebrews 5, and we'll read verses 11 to 14. I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. It says, There is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training, have this skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Now, in my younger days, looking at this, I was taught that the grace of God was milk yes. and law was meat. Yes. But I've come to, come to find out that it's the exact opposite. I was just thinking that. Yep, you had to be. I remember, like, it had to be. It's like, new Christians, oh, God has the grace on me, and I'm good. And then you're like, well, the next, what is it, Andrew talks about it. You get saved one week at church, come back the next week, well, you need to stop living in sin now. You need to make sure you do this and do this, and it's good things you need to do, but it's it's pounded in. It's like, that's the meat. That's the meat of the word, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's the the um the the checklist of, of dues, the things you got to do, right? That's the meat, and that's so backwards. Now I'm gonna read it in the Amplified verses 13 and 14. It says, "For everyone who continues to feed on milk is obviously inexperienced and unskilled in the doctrine of righteousness, of conformity to the divine will and purpose, thought, and action." For he is a mere infant, not yet able to talk. But solid food is for full-grown men, for those whose senses and mental faculties are trained by practice to discriminate and distinguish between what is morally good and noble and what is evil and contrary. 
either to divine or human law. So remember where scripture says grace will teach you. Right? The grace of God will teach you. And you look at the ministry of Jesus. And you hear the phrase, the love of God compelled him. He was compelled to do X, Y, Z. Right? Why? Because of the grace, the love that was operating on the inside of him to heal humanity, to deliver man from, from sin. So when we talk about meat, the doctrine of right of, of, of righteousness by grace through faith, that's meat. Why? Because it takes the Holy Spirit to digest that. I could take a carnal man off the street, a natural man, and show him a bunch of rules and lists and laws and doctrine, and he'll understand it. Now, he might not submit to it, but he'll understand it. But it takes the Holy Spirit to, to talk, to understand how good God is. In spite of our sin, he died for us. And in spite of that, he has given us his spirit. And he has allowed the Holy Spirit to have to resident on the inside of us so we can we can be led by him. You need the Holy Ghost to, uh, to receive and understand that. You could show the Ten Commandments to anybody and be like, all right, you got to keep this. And that's the totality of your, of your religion. A natural man can understand that. Now, again, are, are they going to follow it? But they can understand it. But what we're talking about, the Holy Spirit has to open it up for you yeah. so you can digest that. I don't listen to somebody the other day, Nick. They define grace as supply, which means that whatever I need, he supplied it, whether it's wisdom, whether it's self control, it's already been supplied. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, whether this law says, you know, this demand, the demand, law demanded stuff that we didn't have. Yeah. But grace supplied what we needed. He equipped us. So, like, thought about us. Okay, so I don't have to beg God for anything. I already have it. That is awesome. That really hits home too with me because I was, you know, I've shared before other Bible study that I really, I, um, I came from a place where my mom was saying, oh, that's good what she said about focus on do's instead of what you can do and not what you can't do how Jesus opened it up for us and I go the thing was with me I got to a place where I don't think I had any do's left you know that's how religious my mind is just backwards here it's you know backwards upside down and all around and anyway you know that's where I love it. it's like grace you know your supply your supply is there and you know I even I thought about it what I had to come to realize is God had so much awesome more better for me than I ever could imagine because I've said it before. I said, like I would have never did. I didn't really even do anything. My little step with the world and going to a bar, if you will, it didn't last very long because I was like, this is not what I want. And then God and it went through a lot, but it was like when He showed me what He wanted for me and had for me. I'm like, I mean, I'm bringing to tears. It's like, oh my God, you really wanted me. You wanted me to have desires in my heart. You you were taking something from me, you know. But here it's like grace applies, you know, like. 
you have desire or dream, I have like so much better for you than you can imagine, or you know, you're struggling with this, that's okay, you know, I already broke broke you free, I have better, you know. Have a dad that takes care of you like that is just that's amazing. That's good. I like the way you put you use the, I like the way you do it, dad, what what all the supply, don't they? They supply like what you need. They're, mm. they're providers. Mm. Yeah. 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 There you go. All right, I was about to say something, but I ain't going to leave that alone. My kids ain't listening anyway. <laughs> they ain't watching. <laughs> but going back to the, the, the little C, the little S sin issue, the sins, okay? All right. Now, we talk about God's grace. We talk about the supply. He is all that we need. He is our shepherd, and we shall not want, right? So some still may be like, you know what? I can still dibble and dabble a little bit. God, good. He got me, right? I can sin a little bit. It's cool. Every now and then to lay my religion down. That's what some of you know, some of my, my older brother would say. <laughs> lay my brother lay my religion down for a little bit. But what is the danger in that? All right, let's go to Hebrews three. Hebrews three. We'll start at verse twelve. And we'll go to verse 15. And it reads, excuse me. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. It's the New Living Translation. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as we first believe we shall. We, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. Now to verse 13 in the New Living Translation, I mean, in the King James says, but exhort each one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The danger of, of, of sin and its deceitfulness. Because the temptations of the flesh, the things that entice us, in the moment it looks good. And it'll have pleasure for a season. But what we got to realize is there were a season. Seasons change. Because there, there's going to come a time where that season's going to be over. And you know what Paul said in Romans. Whom you yield yourselves, you, you are servants to obey. So the more we indulge 
in sinful practice, sinful behavior, is is putting us in a place where we are going to. It's almost like we're running our race. We're living on our Christian life. We're walking forward. God is right where he is. We begin to live a, a sloppy lifestyle. We start to moonwalk, go backwards. The mark is in front of us, but the behavior is taking us backwards, right? And the thing about practicing in sin is that it will deceive you to a place where you think you don't, you no longer need God. And see, when we talk about this, we're not just talking about indulging in the sins of the flesh. We talk about religious sin too. That's self-righteousness. Because you can get so high and mighty on your religious practice that you forget why and whose you are and why you're here. You're not here to just perform some religious acts. We are here to enjoy a relationship with the true and living God. Now, does that does that does that mean prayer, Bible study, meditation? All oh, yes. But I don't glory in that. I glory in the fact that I have the opportunity to do that. And I enjoy it because he wants me to. And he does too. Because it's all about motive. Could it be also, I was saying about the deceitfulness of sin, that the deceitful, that the not, yeah, the, the deceitfulness of sin could be considered that basically God doesn't have the best for us. Mm -hmm. You know, because I thought that's where sin started anyway. That's good. You know, the, the serpent, God don't want you to have that tree. He knows there's some good stuff on there. Let me tell you, you need to, you know, you need to eat off that tree over there, you know, and then basically anything we do, I mean, you know, and even right. self-righteousness, something you can't right. have, it's like God so is keeping back from you. So I was just thinking when, it, when I thought I was reading, I was like, I kept looking, I was like, deceitfulness, that's the good. deceitfulness of sin, you know, like, yeah, there you go. That's real good because that's it right there. Because for me, I know when that word hard and I didn't. Andrew kind of introduced me to that. I didn't know believers are going to be hard for God. Yeah. When he taught on um, the disciples, that's the first time I saw it. I went and looked at it when he said yeah. that when he performed the miracle and they still had a problem and believed that he could do it, he says, your heart, your hearts were hardened towards. Yeah. And I was like, wow, you know, so didn't, didn't really grab the concept that a believer's heart could be hardened toward God. Yeah. He was the first one that kind of really opened my eyes. And that kind of helped me understand why. As he just said, why you shouldn't indulge in sin because you can get your heart become hardened toward God. And then you become, um, we call it, desensitize yourself to the you voice lose, of God. I think you lose okay. yourself and you lose the point of everything. Right. You know, like loving, like, you know, first receiving God's love, loving him back and loving each other. I got to thinking about somebody as I was doing, I'm not saying names, just somebody in my life. And this person has did 
a very horrible measure measure of evil to myself and people around her. I'll say it's a her. And my heart actually is very sad for this person, even though I'm stuff that I'm praying about and dealing with with God, you know, because it's been a lot of wounding. Um, but however, I look at this person and I go, after many years of doing this, they have nothing in my heart. It, it look, I look at it and I go like, don't be wrong, I get angry, human, but I go, when I look at it, I go, I can't, not that I want to wish harm on this person and it's a bad thing, but I go, I can't wish any more harm, worse than what they have because they literally have pushed relationship away from themselves to the point that, you know, they've tried to manipulate and control people that they don't even have anybody. And even the few people they have, it's because they control them. And I go, they, it, it's all like loneliness, you know, it was worse than death. You know, they say sometimes, but anyway, it made me think, I go, you know, we're all built for relationship. And I go, mm-hmm. it just makes me have a hard heart. I go, you know, you get to where it's like this person, I've, I've left them to God. I don't even know how to pray anymore. I just go, I've tried, I did the best I could. I go, but it just made me think, I go, you know, you have a hard your heart to the point of everything. It's like they're, they've missed out on First God, you know, I, I don't see how they can be a Christian because then no, nothing, no display of any of God's love. And I go, then they've lost everybody else. Sad. Okay. Just make me think of that. Yeah. I'm going to read it in the Amplified, verse 13. It says, But instead, warn, admonish, urge, and encourage one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened into settled rebellion by the deceitfulness of sin, by the fraudulent, the stratagem, the trickery, which the the delusive glamour of his sin may play on him. Verse 14. For we have become fellows with Christ, the Messiah, and share in all he has for us. If only we hold our first newborn confidence and original assured expectation in virtue of which we are in which we are believers, firm and unshaken to the end. Now look at look at how well, we assume that this 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 is Paul. Let's say this is Paul, or that is the writer of Hebrews. He says, after that of warning in verse thirteen, he says, "For we have become fellows with Christ the Messiah, and share in all He has for us." He's again reminding us of our identity, reminding us of who we are, in contrast to the deceitfulness. Of sin, like Julie had mentioned, did this the enemy's strategy from the very beginning to get us to believe that that the Lord's the Lord has an agenda to keep things from us. That we 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 don't he's not giving us everything. He's hiding some stuff. Let's go to Genesis three, just to just to just to, to look at this. Genesis three, and we'll read this in the New Living Translation. It makes it real plain. Genesis three, verse 
start at verse 1. Because remember, this is where sin entered into the world, right? Okay. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all wild animals that Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Verse 2, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. All right. Now, before I go to verse four, like we've talked about before. First thing the enemy is doing is questioning. The. Reality of God's word of the interpretation, like. Did he really say you must not eat? Did he really say that? All right. And then you see the birthplace of religion in verse three. When Eve replies, you must. God said you must not eat it or or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Now, did the Lord say anything about touching the tree? He didn't say nothing about touching the tree. He said, don't eat it. Don't eat. I remember this. Right? But man got to ask something. And didn't the Pharisees get into trouble for that? The traditions of men will make word of God no effect. Oh my goodness. All right. Look at verse 4. You won't die, the servant replied, servant replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Let's see, there he goes. Trying to get Eve to believe that God is holding out on her. Because he straight just contradicts the word in verse 4. You won't die. Then verse 5. He says, God knows that the, that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now the temptation has been set now. The deceitfulness of sin. Now, Eve is entertaining this. Right? And then you see in verse 6, in the New Living Translation, says the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful. Its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it could give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. Now you see, she was convinced. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, all right there. Then verse seven, at that moment their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sold fig leaves together to cover themselves. 
So you see the, the, the deceitfulness of sin right there. All right. What the enemy did enticed Eve to bite their fruit, questioning the character of God, the integrity of his word, and all, all that. She took the bait. Adam ate with her. Sin into the world. But what did they already have? They had fellowship with the Father. In, in the garden. Access to the tree of life was in that same garden. All these other trees. They had access. But the one tree that God told them not to eat, the enemy highlights that and then tries to entice them to eat it. The deceitfulness of sin. So looking at all this, you know, the, there are a lot of things that the world has to offer. There's a lot of things that the flesh tells us will satisfy us. But the reality is that Christ and our relationship with him is greater than anything that we have. And as we keep that in the forefront of our mind and just enjoy that, then we can keep ourselves in a place where the, the temptations don't have the same effect. They don't have that same power. You know, we can resist. But the more we give in to the flesh here and there, the easier it is going to be the next time and the next time. And the next time. All right, let's go back to Romans six to close out. And we'll go down. To verse 20 to verse 23 and I'll, I'll stay in the New Living Translation it says when you were slaves to sin you were free from the obligation to do right and what was the result you are now ashamed of the things you used to do things that end in eternal doom but now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So that's what we have.
the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And that means knowing him now and in the life to come and forevermore. I meant John 17, 3, eternal life, knowing the true God and Jesus Christ. That's right. That's it. All right, social media family, thank you for joining us. Yeah, we'll see you from here in a couple weeks. Hey. Bye. Bye.